You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everyone. Tim McMaster here, along with our MLB.com Yankees reporter, Brian Hoke. And Brian, busy week for the New York Yankees, who have finally found the manager. I guess technically uh, the rumors leaked last week, but the press conference was this week. And Aaron Boone is officially the 33rd skipper of the pinstripes. And uh, it was an interesting press conference, I thought, because uh, there was some fan involvement just showing you that we are in 2017. But did anything stand out to you? other than the normal, hey, this is a manager uh, introducing himself to the media and to the fan base. Did anything stand out to you in that press conference? Well, I thought that Aaron Boone won the press conference. I thought he handled himself perfectly. I thought that uh, he was calm, cool, collected, composed, everything that you thought he was going to be. And that shouldn't come as a surprise considering his television background. I thought that there would definitely be polish there, and handling the media wouldn't be a problem for him. He was so personable during his playing career, and his time in the broadcast booth, that I thought that should be an easy transition for him. I, I think the real challenge is going to start when he gets the players down in Tampa in February and March and he's running spring training and getting assimilated with that and trying to find his rhythm and figure out who he is as a manager. But as far as something that jumped out at me, I think that what really stuck with me was Brian Cashman saying that uh, Aaron Boone was not on their list. Uh, when Joe Girardi was dismissed at the end of the ALCS. Uh, Aaron Boone was not somebody who was on Cashman's mind anyway. Uh, there, were, there were people they spoke to who recommended to Cashman and said, hey, you got to bring Aaron Boone and you got to talk to Boone. And Cashman wasn't really sold on the idea of having a manager with no managing or coaching experience. So I, I think that speaks volumes about what Boone was able to do when he got in the room at Yankee Stadium to win everybody over and Hal Steinbrenner said that uh, there was some dissent about who their second and third choices were. The Yankees brought in six guys to interview for that job. But across the board, everybody was pretty much secure in saying that Aaron Boone was the number one pick. And that's why uh, Hal Steinbrenner didn't ask Boone to even come down to Tampa. He just hired him uh, almost sight unseen. So I, I think that that really stuck out to me. That, that said a lot that you're willing to give the keys to this franchise to somebody who has never done it at any level. Uh, obviously, he's got a Yankee history, hit the big home run, uh, had a long playing career, but uh, there, there's going to be a learning curve for Aaron Boone, so I think that uh, the press conference was just the beginning for him. Cal Steinbrenner was also on the record early on in the process of saying that he would have some concerns hiring a manager like Boone that didn't have any experience. When it came down to it, was this Cashman selling Boone to Steinbrenner or – did Boone do enough of that himself? And I guess that leads to the question, how much has Cashman kind of put himself out there um, and put the pressure on himself going with someone without experience? Yeah, it wasn't Boone selling himself to Steinbrenner because even though they bumped into each other outside the weight room at Yankee Stadium, it was a very brief conversation. Hal Steinbrenner said that, you know, he was aware of Boone's career uh, just tangentially, but uh, not really – not really overly familiar with it. So I think that everything that happened came when Aaron Boone was in that conference room talking to not only Brian Cashman, but Gene Afterman, Tim Nairing, Dan Geis, uh, Mike Fishman, all the guys who were in that room 
kind of looking at him with a skeptical eye, and he was able to convince them all that even though he'd never filled out a lineup card at any time in his life, he was ready to do it for the New York Yankees. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a huge gamble for Brian Cashman, I think. I, I think that the easiest thing in the world would have been to plug uh, Joe Girardi back in. I mean, you were one win away from the World Series, and I don't think anybody would have batted an eye at that. But uh, it was clear to Cashman that investing another three, four, five years in Joe Girardi was not the best move for the franchise at this time. Uh, they were starting to get diminishing returns, they thought. I know that's funny to say when you're one win away from going to the World Series, but they, they look at these things on a basis of three or four years. So if you look back at the last three or four years, I, I think you can make a better case for why Girardi was out. And then it was a whole separate negotiation there to bring in Aaron Boone. So a lot going on there, a lot of different things. But I, I think that the important thing to remember is Deciding that Joe Girardi had to go and hiring Aaron Boone were two separate things. They, they did not get rid of Joe Girardi to bring in Aaron Boone. It just kind of worked out that way. It was a surprise to many over the last week that uh, Shohei Otani didn't just uh, not choose the Yankees, but they didn't make the seven finalists that he would uh, decide to meet with. Big reason for that, I think, is just the fact that the Yankees play on the East Coast. It seems like that was... Uh, something that East Coast teams were kind of out of the running before it started once we kind of learned what Otani was looking for. That said, time for the Yankees to readjust, move on, heading into the winter meetings and go in a different direction, and that means that they still need to add a starting pitcher. So where now do they focus in on? Is is CC in play? Is a guy like one of the bigger names out there or an Alex Cobb? You know, what level of starting pitcher is this team now interested in adding? Yeah, I think they had uh, they they felt pretty good about their chances to get Otani. I mean, this is a guy that they scouted all the way back to 2012. Uh, obviously, Brian Cashman went across to Japan during the heat of the pennant race in August, so they they were very serious about this. Uh, Otani's people said that the Yankees' presentation knocked them out of the water. I mean, they they did a really great job with that. Uh, but like you said, New York might just might not be for everybody and. What you're hearing is that he didn't want to come to a large market and didn't want to come to the East Coast. So you move on. Um, obviously, Otani would have answered that question at the back end of the rotation, but the Yankees have said that starting pitching is their priority. So I would expect to see them go a little deeper with negotiations with Bathia now that the winter meetings are, are beginning. I know that the Yankees have touched base with his agent a couple times here already. I, I think that Alex Cobb's a guy who could be in play, too. I, I don't think you necessarily have to pick one or the other. Uh, the one thing that Hal Steinbrenner said at the press conference yesterday is uh, the team has usually been pretty good about putting money back into the club when it comes off the payroll. And even accounting for the players who are going to get arbitration raises, uh, the Yankees should have probably $25, $30 million roughly to sink back into the 2018 payroll. So I, I think that gives you a lot of leeway when you're talking about a, a Sabathia or a Cobb or, or perhaps both of them. Um, I, I think that you can anchor your offense around Aaron Judge, Greg Bird, and Gary Sanchez and feel pretty good about it. But pitching is the key to the kingdom, as Brian Cashman always says. And so that's where their uh, priority is going to lie right now. So that would be certainly one of the things we'll be on the lookout next week in Orlando, Florida, at the winter meetings for the Yankees chasing pitching. What else do you expect the Yankees to be involved in when we hear all of the rumors swirling around Orlando? Um, and do you expect them to be able to make a big splash over the course of that week? Well, Hal Steinbrenner did say yesterday they're going to be active in the free agent market. They're going to leave no stone unturned. Now, whether or not that leads to something, I guess we'll wait and see. But 
stranger things have happened. I don't sense that the Yankees have a whole lot to do. You know, this is a team that exceeded expectations last year, won 91 games. You would think that they should, could be even better next season. I, I think that a lot of people looked at last year as a rebuilding year where the kids were going to get their feet under them and get some experience. And for them to take the Astros to a seven-game ALCS, I think that exceeded everybody's expectations. So I, I would think that there's a good chance that this year, 2017, could be the Yankees' weakest year of the next four or five. So uh, they've got a lot of uh, talent coming through the pipeline. I don't think that they necessarily need to go out and re-sign a guy like Todd Frazier or Matt Holliday. Uh, not hearing a whole lot of buzz about that. So I, I would expect them to you, – you're going to hear the Yankees linked to starting pitching a lot. Um, maybe you can upgrade the bullpen. Maybe there's, there's a trade to be had there. Um, certainly Dylan Batances is a guy who I think could be on the move. Uh, Jacoby Ellsbury, you're going to hear his name come up. I'm not sure if anybody's going to take on three years and $68 million, but uh, the Yankees should make some, some noise at the winter meetings, I think, but uh, let's wait and see if they actually cross the line on any negotiations. I think that, uh, that remains to be seen. All right, let's take a look back on a previous winter meeting for the New York Yankees and one that led, you could say, pretty much directly to a World Series title, and that is 2008. You have a story coming up on the site about that, um, the, the groundwork was laid, I guess. C.C. Sabathia wasn't into a contract during the 2008 winter meetings, but they were well on their way to that seven-year, $161 million deal in an offseason that also brought them to Shara. That winter meetings, while the, they didn't have the big press conference at the meetings, it was a huge winter meetings for a Yankees team that would go on to win the 09 title. I'll never forget that winter meetings because that was the year – that Brian Cashman disappeared from the winter meetings. They were being held at the Bellagio Hotel in Las Vegas, and Cashman ducked out on a Tuesday afternoon. He'd been summoned to California. None of us knew about it at the time, but he was knocking on CeCe Sabathia's doorstep and sitting down in his living room with his wife and their three kids and kind of trying to sell CeCe Sabathia on what life would look like in New York. And just a West Coast guy, you know, so many years have gone by, and we think of CeCe and pinstripes now, but... He was a West Coast guy, California-born, who had some hesitation to come to the East Coast. You know, he just finished a year in, in Milwaukee. He started his career in Cleveland. He was thinking maybe he'd wind up out West again and uh, where all his friends and family were. And Cashman, they, I'd forgotten this part in doing the research. Um, they met twice in Las Vegas that week because CeCe happened to be in town to watch a boxing match. And so... Uh, Cashman was able to look Sabathia in the eye, kind of talk to him for three hours over those two meetings, and and it, whatever they said was intriguing enough that CeCe said, hey, why don't you come by the house? You can talk to Amber, his wife, and uh, we'll, we'll talk a little more about that. And when that invitation came, Cashman booked a flight and got out of there. So uh, I do remember that Tuesday night hearing late that night in the lobby that, uh, that Cashman had left the building, and everybody was trying to figure out where he was, and uh, by daybreak, the news had come out that not only had he gone to California to talk to CeCe Sabathia, but CeCe was in agreement now with the Yankees, and he was going to sign the richest deal for a starting pitcher at that time, or any pitcher at that time, seven years and $161 million. So, as you said, it, it led to a World Series. I, I think that you look back at that 9 team, they, they signed Sabathia, they laid the groundwork to sign A.J. Burnett during those meetings. A month later, they signed Mark Teixeira. They had already traded for Nick Swisher, and, and there's your 2009 world champion New York Yankees. So uh, definitely a big winter meetings in Yankee history for Brian Cashman and obviously for CeCe Sabathia, too. 
it's amazing because you see so many years where teams win the winter and then fizzle once the season comes around. But that was a definite moment where the Yankees won the offseason and then won the World Series title. Pretty cool stuff. All right. That'll do it for LB.com Extras, our Yankees edition for Brian Hoke. I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next week. We'll be at the winter meeting in Orlando, Florida. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.